The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Let's get to Thomas Pulowick. Uh, Thomas is our guest for the half hour, or I should say for this segment. My apologies. Thomas is head of multi-asset solutions for the APAC at T. Rowe Price. He joins from our studios in Singapore. Thomas, welcome. Always a pleasure. Uh, looked like, in the U.S. at any rate, uh, the market was uh, comfortable with taking on risk. A little bit of uncertainty here where we are with respect to inflation in the wake of that really hot uh, PPI print that we had in the States on Friday. Are, are you likely to join in, in and take on risk right now, or do you think we need to kind of back off and, and let the dust settle a little bit when it comes to the inflation narrative? Hi. Yes, we are still cautious on uh, on the markets. We are not joining into your uh, specific question. I think there was also a, a period of weakness prior to that, so there is a bit of uh, a relief uh, rebound that we are seeing here that can be short-lived. Uh, the CPI uh, uh, is definitely the the key metric to to watch for. Um, job uh, openings have been going down, but uh, we have seen wage growth uh, still pretty strong. So uh, as inflation is moving from goods to services, uh, we see that uh, being a bit stickier and the Fed is likely to be uh, higher for longer. So Tamar, when we look at then uh, next year, of course, we can talk about terminal rates and the like. But the point is that we also have base effects coming through. They may take the edge of uh, what may be seen as more belligerent inflation. What's your take on that? Yeah, so if you think about inflation at uh, six, seven, eight percent as we experienced this year, uh, for for sure they, this um, le- this kind of level would come down next year. Um, but um, the experience is that inflation is also quite sticky, as we have seen in prior episodes of uh, higher inflation. And especially given that uh, the workforce has been uh, losing some people coming from immigration, there is perhaps a lack of uh, one million in the U.S. Uh, You have seen also long COVID having effect of people going back to the workforce. So uh, we expect uh, wage growth uh, to be continue to be strong. And that means that inflation is likely to remain higher than the 2%, which has been the the target. So if what you're saying is that the Fed is going to keep rates higher for longer, it it would follow logically, and maybe I've got this wrong, that the dollar is going to remain stronger for longer. And we had someone challenging me on that at the end of last week saying, no, no, dollar has peaked. Uh, We're going to see dollar weakness going forward. What's your view on the greenback relative to the major currencies here? So when I say um, the Fed uh, higher for longer, that doesn't mean that they will continue to hike. Uh, what the point is that they, they might not start easing as what the market is pricing. Okay. So if they stay put, uh, that means that the interest rate differential with the other um, uh, central banks uh, might uh, start to decrease. Uh, because other central banks are also picking up their fight against inflation. So in that case, if the interest rate differential is not expanding, but might stabilize or even um, decreasing, that could be a headwind for the U.S. dollar. 
But the US dollar is also sensitive to the growth differential. And uh, we will see what will happen in terms of uh, economic growth. Uh, our projection is that a recession is likely. And uh, that means that uh, it could be also a headwind for the US dollar. So, Tama, uh, so how much growth do you think the uh, Federal Reserve is uh, prepared to sacrifice in order to bring inflation down? That's going to be key here. And uh, can they avoid a hard landing? And that's uh, a question which is on many people's minds. I think the answer that um, Fed Chairman Paul uh, gave uh, last time is that he, he was not sure a soft landing was really uh, possible. I, I forgot his uh, exact words. But that, that means that um, it's a difficult job. The, the job uh, for them is to really look at uh, job openings. As I said before, they want job openings to be reduced faster than uh, destruction of uh, job. And um, this is we are starting to see some sign of that. But we have seen that also the, uh, the job market remain uh, quite strong uh, still until now. So it's a it's a tough uh, balance to, to strike. And it's uh, unlikely that the soft landing can be um, can be uh, executed. So uh, we are more seeing that uh, as a mild recession as a base case. Now. Well, one of the words he did use was, I think, pain, if I'm not mistaken. So the Fed seems to be willing to inflict a little bit of it on the American economy. But I want to pivot to China next. Major shift when it comes to COVID zero. We had the uh, ambassador, China's ambassador to the U.S., uh, Chin Gong, saying that uh, the country will continue to relax uh, strict COVID measures and China will welcome more international travelers in the near future. This cuts both ways, right? The economy is beginning to reopen, but we could see a lot of stress in the healthcare system, which then could trigger more lockdowns and the pendulum could swing in the other direction. Which do you think is likely? Look, I don't think lockdowns, um, the way they experience over the past two years, will uh, will be the case. But definitely, people will be cautious in going in going out if they have the risk of being uh, infected. So. Um, we have seen that in all other countries. All other countries had um, quite a difficult time to exit uh, the zero COVID, the, um, the COVID restrictions and to move to live with COVID in a normal way. Each country took their own path uh, to that. And of course, uh, given that China is experiencing that during winter, which is perhaps not the, the best uh, time to, to execute that, it can be even more um, shaky in uh, in how it uh, it is done. So, the the good news is that um, it's likely that six months from now, nine months from now, China is reopened. So that's what we are looking at when we invest. Uh, for the next three to six months, it's likely to be uh, a difficult time, and uh, there will be uh, not a, the the rebound in the economic activity is will be more pronounced in the second or third quarter. So, what about? Uh, if you look at, let's say, Asian credit, uh, 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 does this represent a buying opportunity? And, and, and if so, uh, you know, if you're looking for juice, you're certainly getting it. But uh, do you want to buy that in local currency or d dollar, uh, uh, dollar denominated debt? Look, the, in terms of credit, what we have seen is that the uh, Asian sentiment was all driven by this uh, zero COVID policy. So we have seen a, a rebound in uh, risk appetite for uh, investors, foreign and local investors to uh, the Asian assets, especially China. Uh, I would say there is definitely uh, there, there were some pricing of uh, assets that were quite extreme, especially in dollar dominated debt. 
uh, as it relates to property. And we have seen property sector also being um, helped by some uh, recent uh, easing of policies by local officials. So uh, I would say the first um, first try could be to go into uh, Asian uh, dollar-dominated debt. Mm. Uh, and that's how we have positioned also our portfolios. We were talking earlier about the Japan and Netherlands agreeing in principle to, to join the U.S. in tightening uh, controls over the export of certain uh, chip-making technology to China. I'll give you 20 seconds to answer the question, will we see more in terms of U.S.-China political risk or geopolitical risk in the new year? Look, the, the geopolitical risk will remain. Uh, it's um, for us. It's uh, it's quite a long horizon uh, on that. So you don't want to uh, to play that on a, on the short term. Uh, there will be a divergence of uh, supply chain, and you, there are opportunities for investors to benefit from that. Tom, thank you so much uh, for being with us. Thomas Pulowek, uh, who is the head of multi asset solutions at for the APAC at T Rowe Price, joining us here on Daybreak Asia as uh, we look at markets and see positivity after a pretty good rally here in U.S. risk ahead of uh, tomorrow's CPI print in the U.S. Details coming up. This is Bloomberg. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.